Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways, shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. August 19, my husband and I were woken up by a telephone call. It was 6.30 in the morning. It's August 1991, and Masha Lipman had just started working for the Washington Post in Moscow. I woke up, I picked up the receiver. It was a friend from California. And what she told me was switch on television. I said, what? What are you talking about? It's 6.30 here. And she said, switch on television. There is a political coup in Moscow. There was a presenter there reading this litany of stale, recognizable communist speak. President Gorbachev has stepped down. He's too sick to do his duties. A new political committee is now in charge of the country. And I realized that, yes, indeed, something absolutely horrible was happening. That after years of liberal reform under Gorbachev, a coup was underway. A coup by hardliners determined to take the Soviet Union backwards in time. Away from democracy, back to the old authoritarian days. My husband, by that time, of course, was also awake, and we were standing there in front of the television. I remember we were holding hands. We don't normally do this, you know, standing in front of a television at 6.30 in the morning, holding hands, but it was like he wanted to hold on to something. Over the next three days, the Soviet people were going to live through communism's final reckoning. Three days that would change the world forever. I'm Lance Bass, and from Kaleidoscope, Exile, and iHeart Podcasts, this is The Last Soviet. In the last episode, we left Sergei Krakalev weighing up the decision of a lifetime. Stay in space and save the galaxy's only space station, or go back home to Earth 
to Moscow to his wife and daughter. I don't know exactly what was going through his head at the time, but whenever I make a big decision, like when I had to decide whether to train in the Russian space program, it feels like my brain is playing a game of ping pong, conflicting thoughts bouncing back and forth. Suddenly, you feel like you've reached some clarity, and then a new thought just slams its way in. It's agony. And Sergei had a lot of things to weigh up. First, he had his family to think about. They were prepared for him to leave for five months, which was hard enough. But if he stayed, they'd have no idea when Sergei would come home. <laughs> In a BBC documentary from 1993, Sergei's wife Yelena says, I was so upset. At this point, he was meant to be more than halfway through his five-month mission. In my soul, in my heart, I kept thinking, just a little longer, and he'll be back home. All the while, Sergei is concerned about his family's safety. He knows how his country is disintegrating. The poverty, the chaos on the streets. Anything could happen. And it's not just what's happening on the ground that's worrying Sergei. It's also what might happen to him, to his body. Because the thing is, humans aren't actually meant to live in a tin can in space, in zero gravity. Your bones lose density, your muscles weaken. Then there's the space sickness, nausea and dizziness. Your immune system starts to break down. You have trouble sleeping. Few people have been in space longer than six months. So Sergei just didn't know what would happen to him. That's Sergei from the same BBC documentary. He says, first of all, I had to ask myself, do I actually have enough strength to stay? Mentally, physically. Sergei says, of course I had doubts. So there were a lot of reasons for Sergei to think, actually, I don't want to do this. But perhaps there was something else at the back of Sergei's mind. Because Sergei was dedicated to a dream. The dream of the Soviet Union dominating space. Her Majesty, her ministers, and all her subjects have been captivated by the charm of Major Yuri Gagarin. Gagarin was Sergei's hero. He was the first one of us, Sergei says. The first to step into the great unknown. And so perhaps the thing he focuses on is that dream of Gagarin, the hero cosmonaut, there to serve the Soviet Union at all costs. Because in the end, that's what Sergei was trained to do, to serve to do his job. He says he felt in his heart that he could do it. His mind, his body, he was prepared for this. And so he dials into mission control and he tells them, I will stay. Stay to protect the station and serve my country. But what he didn't know then was that just a month later, everything would change once again. 
Good evening. The stunning overthrow of Mikhail Gorbachev by communist hardliners dominates the news this Monday. Gorbachev was reported under house arrest as Soviet tanks took up positions throughout Moscow. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, Feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. At 7 a.m. on the Soviet space station, Sergei Krekalev unhooks himself from his space cot. He doesn't sleep well these days, lying awake for what feels like forever, occasionally falling in and out of frenetic dreams. He floats into the station's main module and gets ready for his daily check-in. But before he has a chance to read out his vitals, Mission Control plays him an urgent broadcast. President Gorbachev has stepped down. 
He's too sick to do his duties. A new political committee is now in charge of the country. What Sergei is hearing is the beginning of a coup by communist hardliners against the president, Mikhail Gorbachev. These hardliners were old school, party bigwigs. In the bureaucracy, perestroika is designed to take authority away. Military leaders. The military is worried about losing its political clout. And high-ranking members of the KGB. The secret police are worried they're going to lose political control of the people. They believe that the Soviet empire was something to be proud of. In some ways, these guys were the original versions of Vladimir Putin someone who has written and spoken about restoring Russia to the glory days of the Soviet Union. He's talked about reuniting the greater Soviet Union. And now he's been bumping up this Soviet nostalgia. Uh, He was actually all about making Russia great again uh, long before Donald Trump was talking about making America great again by looking backwards. Back in 1991, the hardliners had the same aim. And so they got together in shadowy backrooms and had whispered conversations about what to do. And eventually, they came up with an idea, a plan to stage a military coup in Moscow. And on August 19th, 1991, they decided it was their time to act. From ABC, this is a special edition of World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. The first thing they do is lock up Gorbachev at his dacha, or summer house, in Crimea. They put him under house arrest with no communication to the outside world. There's a lot we know tonight and still a lot we do not know. There's been no word from Mr. Gorbachev, even his specific whereabouts are not known. It is assumed he is not free. Then they seize the media. The playing of somber music on Soviet television was one of the first clues here that something had happened. Some people thought someone important had died. Early in the morning, they order the army to take over the main television tower in the north of Moscow. Mass media has been taken over by this emergency committee. Newspapers are not answering their phones. Clearly, Glasnost openness is under attack. All scheduled programming is replaced by the ballet Swan Lake. On loop. It's interspersed with news flashes. A man in glasses awkwardly reading a prepared statement from a piece of paper. This is what Sergei and millions of other Soviets were hearing that morning. Waiting. Confused. Listening to Tchaikovsky over and over. Standing in front of a television at 6.30 in the morning, holding hands. That's Masha Lipman again. It was like he wanted to hold on to something because the effect, the shock, was immediate and strong. And the sense was that everything that we'll have just lived through, those times of opening up, of freedom, of of wild dreams coming through, of old constraints falling apart, that this is about to be over. Both parents, they lived in fear. They unfortunately brought me up in fear. And I dreamt and expected that my children would not grow up in fear. I had such wonderful dreams about them growing up in a free atmosphere. And suddenly it was cut off. It was being taken away from us with that presenter reading from his papers. 
But Masha isn't going to give away her children's freedom so easily. We need to find out whether there would be resistance. She heads out on the streets. And that's when she sees the tanks. Mingling with the rush hour traffic, Red Army armored personnel carriers on the streets of Moscow this morning. Heading south towards the river Moskva, towards the White House, the seat of the Russian parliament. Tanks from the Soviet Immediately, Army she has one question on her mind. The of would the people join the coup, or would they fight back? Personnel carriers rolled by, carrying scores of troops, some of them brandishing machine guns. When she reached the parliament, she has her answer. This was the best street party ever held in Moscow. Artemy Troitsky is a culture journalist and music critic. But at this moment in time, he was working at an independent TV news channel, a channel that supported democracy. And as soon as he heard news of the coup, he headed out onto the streets. It was really like a huge political rave. And of course, it was happening around the clock. It was incredible. I've never seen anything like this, neither before nor after. Tanks lined up in front of the Russian parliament and stopping them, a huge crowd, shouting, singing songs, saying, no, they didn't want to go backwards. Many gathered around tanks, berating the soldiers. One woman shouted angrily, you are fascists. They wanted freedom, democracy. They were even trying to block the tanks with their bodies. One man lay down in front of a tank to try to halt its progress. They also started to build barricades. Makeshift barricades with whatever piece of disused machinery or brickwork was available. Barricades being made out of cars and buses. And one crane driver joined the effort, shifting concrete blocks to the delight of the crowd. Pieces of metal and wood and lanterns. Helping build the obstacles designed to prevent any army attempt to seize the Russian parliament building. Of course, they were also having fun. I mean, they communicated, they sang songs, they flirted. The energy was tremendous because on one hand, of course, people, they've been afraid, but they fought this fear. It was electric. It felt like anything could happen. Some people were drinking. Indeed, there was some booze, but not a lot of it because we got high on other things. We got high on revolution, not on alcohol or grass. The Soviet people had turned up. They weren't going to roll over and let the tanks take away their dreams of a freer, more open country. But as day turned to night, the party atmosphere started to turn from joy to fear. Tonight, small groups of Moscovites gathered around bonfires, determined to see what further action the military will take. And Artemi noticed a sense of dread making its way through the crowd. I think that there was a great deal of anxiety. Soldiers have sealed off the Russian parliament. Inside, officials watched nervously. There were a lot of rumors. Increasingly certain that Russia's great experiment with democracy has suffered an irreversible blow. A lot of rumors coming all the time from everywhere. Some rumors were rather frightening, like, you know, there is a 
a KGB division coming to Moscow from somewhere, and they are real killers. We are told that they fear an attack by military forces loyal to the Committee of Eight. We've all seen it happen before. In fact, it happened just a couple of years earlier in China. A brutal massacre of Chinese students and other protesters by the Chinese army. Where Chinese soldiers shot and killed hundreds of pro-democracy protesters in Tiananmen Square in Beijing. There was a volley of tear gas. Then, without warning, the army opened up with bullets, firing indiscriminately at the crowd. As night falls, the people on the streets of Moscow can't help but think maybe this is about to happen to them. We managed to get a room at a hotel overlooking the barricades and overlooking the White House. That's Serge Schmemann, the New York Times correspondent we've been hearing from through the series. He has a prime spot overlooking the battle outside the Russian parliament. And what he sees is terrifying. So then we all realized that these barricades, dramatic as they are, you know, they looked like all these images of revolutions past with flags and slogans, but that they're totally useless against tanks. The flimsy barricades the people had built were symbolic. They were gonna be there, you know, to protect the future against the past. And then that night, something happened that made everyone think the past was about to destroy the future. There are scenes of extraordinary drama here in Moscow tonight. Scenes of destruction, of fire, even of blood on the streets. Three tanks drove towards the parliament. These tanks were commanded by a guy called Sergei Sorovkin, who until recently was head of the Russian army in Ukraine. To reach the building, they had to get through a narrow underpass. They were going down an underpass. Uh, and that's when the people attacked. Within minutes, the tanks were surrounded, mobbed by a crowd. They were stuck. But they got themselves trapped in there. Young men hurled rocks of Molotov cocktails. Because they were being pelted by rocks and Molotov cocktails. Two men climbed on board of one of the tanks. Then, one of the under-personnel carriers caught fire. It then slammed into the barricade. And as the smoke cleared, three protesters lay dead. One eyewitness I talked to said that uh, the soldiers opened fire into the crowd, and one was definitely shot in the head. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. 
how doers get more done. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. On the Soviet space station, Sergei is reading about all this drama on Maggie's bulletin board. I'd rewrite articles in very simple English. They would connect. It's like my own system was a tiny bulletin board. And they called it RITA, which is my name in Russian. So Rita's information. So I was their information source. And so he reads the news Maggie sent him. Tanks in the streets, shots in the night. So he read about an old world represented by tanks and a new one represented by the people. The people and the security forces has not been seen since the early days of the Russian Revolution. He read about the violence and the deaths of the protesters. The Soviet coup turns bloody with three protesters killed. And the more Sergei read, the more he became charged with injustice. Soviet tanks should not be attacking the Soviet people. It's not in the spirit of the ideals he grew up serving. Ideals that focused on honor and virtue. And by the evening, Sergei had made up his mind. He was going to do something no serving cosmonaut had done before. He was going to make a political statement. And so he wrote a message to send out over the ham radio waves. A message from outer space. His attempt to tell his countrymen, this is where I stand as a cosmonaut. And the message went like this. We stand with Gorbachev. We denounce the coup. And I think that's a very brave act what they did. This is Maggie Iaquinto on an Australian radio show. Well, because that went out to the world, didn't it? Yes, it certainly mm. did. It was it was on their space station mm. as as a um, 
uh, a message which could be read by all ham radio operators and which was read by them. And uh, when Gorbachev disappeared, no one knew when he was coming back. And they're left in a fairly precarious position That's up right. there. And they are dependent on people on Earth. And yet they, they sided with with Gorbachev, and he did come back very courageous. It was courageous because if Gorbachev's side lost, who knew what would happen to Sergei and his family back home? This was a coup. It was reported that coup leaders ordered 250,000 pairs of handcuffs from a factory outside of Moscow in preparation for their victory. The infamous KGB jail was also cleared out ready to take new prisoners. Those who opposed the coup, especially such high-ranking members of Soviet society as cosmonauts, risked prison by speaking out. Or worse. And at that point, it looked like the coup was going to be successful. Three protesters lay dead. And now a hushed silence fell over the city. And there were constant rumors, they're coming, they're coming. And all night, people waited for the tanks. Waited for the tanks that would kill them in their thousands. But the night went on, and the darkness began to lift. And of course, in Russia, in the summer, the night is short. And as the sun began to rise, an extraordinary scene greeted the protesters. For a moment, it seemed the situation was out of control. But during the night, the new leadership had lost their nerve. The soldiers were gone. The young conscript soldiers on the streets were bewildered. They too were victims of this coup. It was one of the most remarkable feelings because there was no announcement. It was just obvious. This coup had failed. It had failed because nobody joined it. Not even Sergei. Not even the dedicated communist cosmonaut. Closeted inside the Kremlin, the acting president, Yanayev, and the other plotters decided they could no longer stay in the city. As they fled down the airport road, it was a humiliation, an extraordinary climb down. The people had won. And now out in the city, there was a different feeling in the air, a sense that we were entering new, uncharted waters. It's the feeling I remember most clearly. Tired as hell, hadn't slept had napped and people had made little bonfires around, you know, to cook on. And the bonfires were put out and people moved slowly. They got up, they gathered up their belongings, whatever they had brought for the vigil. The vast crowd had gathered to remember three victims of the coup, but in reality they were recalling how close the country had come to disaster. The vigil to honor the three dead young men. And then silence breathtaking stillness as the crowd stood to remember and honor the victims of the coup. And slowly started walking back into the city, smiling, laughing. You know, it was just the feeling of the most pure kind of happiness. There was nothing to say. There were moments of high emotion, some fighting back tears. But it was just a beautiful August morning in Moscow, and people were going home because they had defeated this coup. Many people spoke of this being a funeral not just for the three men, but perhaps for the Communist Party itself. And that marked a total turning point in then the fate of what was left of the Soviet Union. 
Victorious protesters marched through the streets. A tide of people bringing with them the banner of independence, a huge Russian flag, and shouts of down with the Communist Party. Tearing down signs at the Communist Party headquarters. During a day of proud and peaceful attacks on the symbols of Communist Russia. And scrawling freedom, freedom across the walls of the KGB. The crowd reveling in the party's humiliation. Then they reached the statue of Felix Derzinski the infamous leader of the Soviet Union's security forces. By this evening, the demonstrators outside the Lubyanka were preparing to tear down the statue. There was a noose around his neck. Next, metal cables were attached to the statue. The crane actually tore him off. The journalist Masha Lipman was watching on TV. And he was dangling in the air for a while. One elderly Russian in the crowd said, I lived through lives all my life, but I am glad I lived long enough to see this. The people had taken back power. And that was only the start of it. All around the Soviet Union, statues of the great heroes of the USSR began falling. Stalins and Lenins and Brezhnevs all over the country. The attack at Dzerzhinsky was an attack at the KGB. It was an attack at the Soviet regime. It was an attack at the omnipotent government that held its population in fear. People were no longer scared. And the end of fear really marked the end of the Soviet Union. Within a few months, the hammer and sickle was lowered over the Kremlin and replaced by the now familiar white, blue, and red of the Russian tricolor. For most people, this was a moment of celebration. But for Sergei and the space program, the collapse of the Soviet Union meant they had no idea what their own future looked like. And it's at this point that Maggie, Sergei's friend from Australia, begins to hear rumors. Something is wrong on the space station. Journalists rang up Sergei's wife and asked her about his illness, which is must have been rather devastating for her to listen to. And then she heard something even stranger. They are in space, they're being stranded there, they're being punished. At one point, Sergei said to me in Russian, he says, they say we are in prison up here. That's next time on The Last Soviet. The Last Soviet is a Kaleidoscope production in partnership with iHeart Podcast and Exile Media. Produced by Samizdat Audio. And hosted by me, Lance Bass. Executive produced by Kate Osborne and Mangesh Hadakador. With Oz Wolishin and Kostas Linos. From iHeart, executive produced by Katrina Norvell and Nikki Ettore. From Samizdat Audio, our executive producers are Joe Sykes and Dasha Lisitsina. Produced by Asia Fuchs, Dasha Litsitsinia, and Joe Sykes. Writing by Lydia Marchant. Research by Mika Golubowski and Molly Schwartz. Music by Will Epstein. Theme by Martin Orstrich. Mixing and sound design by Richard Ward. And special thanks to Nando Villa, Alyssa Pollock, Will Pearson, Connell Byrne, Bob Pittman, and Isaac Lee. If you want to hear more shows like this, Nothing is more important to the creators here at Kaleidoscope than subscribers, ratings, and reviews. 
So please spread the love wherever you listen. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Got menopause? We've got you. Hi, Jackie here, founder of ExoJackie. Feel supported throughout your menopause journey and beyond with our organic protein powders and symptom relief boosts. Formulated to keep bones and muscles strong, ExoJackie products help reduce bloating, hot flashes, and weight gain. Enjoy 20% off with promo code EXOPODCAST. Shop now at exojacqui.com. Made for women by women.